I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another football roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and Adam Nicholas from What Culture Football here to discuss another burning football issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. But as I said, joined by Adam Nicholas to talk about... Well, the worst things in the Premier League. We've talked about some of the best players recently, but let's talk now about the other side of that coin, the worst signings, the biggest flops, and of course, VAR. Um, Nicholas, what did you make of this season? It's been a long one. It has been a long one. Long is the definitely the correct word for this. Uh, just doing a bit of research before we started this, thinking back to how long ago it was, the very beginning, and trying to come up with the list of People, places, things, and anything in between that fits the category for this uh, podcast. There's a lot. <laughs> There's been a lot. Uh, but we made it. We made it at the end, which is the important <laughs> thing. Um, we're going to talk about some of the worst transfers, and that sort of relates to some of the flops of the mm. season. Let's start with a, uh, a person that no doubt people will be pointing at, and someone you know rather well, Jolinton. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I, I realise that statistics will not be on Joe Linton's side for this one. That is fair, and I will hold my hands up because we're going to needle a few other players in a little bit about the same thing. Um, Joe Linton, though, while he may have only had two goals and two assists for a man who cost us £40 million, is not ideal, I will admit. But that is a man there who is has got better as the season's gone on, and his contributions, I find, have been elsewhere. Maybe that the... The stats might not end up showing it so much, but he's a guy who'll graft now, which he was maybe not quite getting the hang of. And he's also in a system that isn't exactly designed for him to flourish. Mm. We spend a lot of the season playing a 4-5-1 where he is isolated by himself. But one thing he can do fantastically well, a la, even dare I say it, Alan Shearer perhaps in his heyday, is hold the ball up brilliantly and wait for the rest of the play to come to him. And with uh, Miguel Amaron and um, Alan Maximan. Now, mm kind of they're the two who've actually got into that stride it seems to be helping them a lot which is great so yes he hasn't contributed the way he wanted but and I will accept that he has to go down as a flop technically but I think there's a promise there and I wouldn't be surprised if next season without any pressure that might turn around but don't hold me to it <laughs> yes we were talking before this about another front three of Newcastle Newcastle's yesteryear that you were hoping they could Indeed. 
measure up to? One day, one day, <laughs> that the lovely, lovely trio of the likes of Demba Bar, Papa Cissé and Ben Arfa will return. Is this the second coming? Maybe a bit early to judge, but listen, if we could do a reverse Papa Cissé where he doesn't score any goals and then scores <laughs> loads of goals, that works for me. So, fingers crossed, it may well happen, yes. I don't know whether it's the fact that, you know, we're, we're in the city uh, or what, but I do feel a little bit sorry for Jolinton. Obviously, you know, 40 million for what was it? You said two goals, two assists. Two goals, two assists in 38 games. 38 he has Premier played 38 games, though. Yeah. So well, he's Consist- not an injury-prone guy. <laughs> um, and we, we were there, I do believe, for a random cup game in which he scored. I mean, it was harder to miss than score, but he did score there. And like you say, I just think the system they've got really hasn't helped him whatsoever. And... You know, the knives have been out for him or even someone to scapegoat a la Steve Bruce. So that might be one of the reasons behind it. And we will get into more awful signings in due course. I want to talk a little bit more about teams who flopped this season. Uh, we've done several videos on Arsenal on this channel. We talked about them uh, having a crisis, having a dilemma. And then we talked about a return of the old Arsenal, who then subsequently in the next 12 hours got beaten by Aston Villa and didn't register a shot on target. Um how would you rate Arsenal's season? I would stand by you there. I feel like you and Miller almost covered yourselves quite well. <laughs> the old Arsenal did come back. It just wasn't <laughs> the old, old Arsenal. It was maybe the Arsenal who were older than this one, shall we yes. say. But yes, they did come back. They've been hit and miss, haven't they? They've, but I think a lot of people would argue that the end of the season, in particular, has has shown signs of promise. And I think you can imagine... Maybe Arteta would be kind of hoping that the or wishing that the restart hadn't like come halfway through the season or something like that for him, so he had more time. Um, because suddenly picking up the scalps of Liverpool and Manchester City on the road to the end of the season is no mean feat. An FA Cup final to come as mm. well, again, no mean feat. Um, but Arsenal finishing eighth in the league, a lot of people might be thinking, well, you know, that's not really great for Arsenal. And admittedly, they wouldn't want to be there. Finger spent a lot of time keeping them in the top four, which is what they always said wasn't good enough then. Mm. Um, but then you look at the other teams who are in that, the rest of them, who fill up the rest of that top eight. And given how they played this year, especially that top four, it'd be hard to argue that they should be that much higher. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a great deal of potential in this Arsenal side, uh, as we sort of discussed talking about the return of the old Arsenal uh, with Miller recently, because... You know, you've got, like you say, I, I adore Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's one of my favourite strikers in the Premier League. Um, and then you've got players who've developed through the system, Willock and Ketia, etc. And then you've got Kieran Tierney and Pepe who are going to grow into this side. I think if you'd have given Arsenal fans, you know, they'd like to have been higher. They'd no doubt like to have been top six. But eighth place in a cup final appearance and then, you know, a cup final appearance against Chelsea rather than a Liverpool or Manchester City. I think they'd have probably taken it. Uh, we can't mention Arsenal and uh, um, uh, bad signings without mentioning David Luiz. Um, he is an enigma, but we have to mention that that game against Manchester City. We do. And just, just before we do, you have to say if Arsenal do indeed win that FA Cup, one, it'll be great for the club, but two, he might be a big factor as to yeah. why that happened. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that because at the restart that we had this season, David Luiz had that absolute catastrophe of a game against Man City. Didn't start, came on to replace an injured defender, ended up like being at fault for the first goal, causing the penalty for the second goal and getting sent off. 
I mean, it was an absolute disaster. And Arteta must have been pulling that last bit of his wonderfully <laughs> quick hair out, just trying to get through all the jail, just to be like, ah! But ultimately, in fact, if he did that, he'd probably end up on full transition to pet mode. If he just shaves it all off, it was a bit of a beard. But I am getting off on a tangent a bit. David Luiz, man, you would have you would have assumed after that that perhaps the writing was on the wall for him at Arsenal. Incredibly, offered a new one-year deal, an extension, which I think everybody was shocked at. And then he goes out and repairs that that sort of faith from the manager by having two great games against Liverpool and Manchester City. And we're all sat here like, who the hell is this guy? He, he does not off blow hot and cold like you say. He can he can be a, a talismanic defender and, and and going forward indeed as well uh, for his side. But then he can also it's almost like you know oh he's gonna he's gonna try and concentrate in this game and then he has you know absolute worldy like you say and then he just sometimes turns up like he did when he played for Brazil against Germany in that World Cup. Uh, mm. It's just it, I don't know what the solution is here. I don't know if there is a solution. I think it's you have to kind of accept that this is it. Gary Neville summed this quite well up on um up quite well, sorry, on commentary. He just sort of said he's not gonna change. This you know what you're getting with David Louise. Uh absolute madness at times, followed by absolute brilliance. And you've got to decide as the manager, I guess Miguel Arteta having to figure out which one is more valuable. Can they afford a bunch of gaffes? Or can they maybe decide to find a way of picking the games where he might be good? Like, figure out what mood he's in. Maybe try and plan <laughs> his meals out or something. Get him in the right fettle just before the games. And hopefully, they can get him to do any decent decent performances for Arsenal. Not quite that easy, though. And it must be so frustrating as a manager trying to get the best out of him. It's like, what, do you play him in defensive midfield and play two extra defenders? Just in case, you know. Just, just in case. case, Daniel. I know you suggested once they should sign Thiago Silva on a free. It w- He's there. It's a no-brainer. And it would be like, sign big brother. To just come into the team. And if he does nothing else, Thiago Silva, he might be able to get David Luiz into that mode where he's like, just do the good stuff, please. That'll be good. And he's got a fellow Brazilian there to talk to as well, which was bound to help. And they can they can click together and it'll be lovely stuff. And maybe if David if, if they do sign Thiago Silva and he's not available to play, just don't play David Luiz either. <laughs> just like keep them as a pair as a unit, and that'll do. Maybe. Uh, what's that, Thiago? You've got the sniffles. <laughs> Rob. Find another defender, mate. You and you yeah. and the staff are you playing this week? Well, I tell you what, I think David's got the sniffles as well. There, best not take any chances. <laughs> <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From Arsenal, let's talk uh, about Spurs, because you have to say this season was a bit of a flop for them. They were in the Champions League final last year. They've sacked their manager. They've got Mourinho. They've got... One of the worst signings in terms of value for money, which we'll get on to. But how would you assess Spurs' season? I imagine there's a lot of Tottenham fans who, again, much like Arsenal, aren't in a position they would have wanted at the start of the season. Um, I will just remind them, though, you know, those four teams, and well, five of them, obviously, including Leicester, who are indeed in front of them, have been brilliant this year. Like, two have run away. So then you're looking at the other three and there's only really a four-point gap. So it could have gone either way between them and Manchester United, truth be told, depending on how fixtures turned out. I think a lot of people might be pointing to like the, the, the team's got quality players and whenever those quality players are performing, it's good for Tottenham it's, and it's really good because I like the idea that all of the English talent they've got is going to click together and that will carry on for the England squad in the future, which obviously we've missed this year. But I still, in an ideal world, that would be... I'm all for it. I would love, I need to see Tottenham doing well because it means we're going to do much better as a whole as a country. But unfortunately, I do wonder if the... For me, it's the Mourinho thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's figured the team out yet. At the start of the season, you remember um, the likes of Christian Eriksen were there still. And there's a bunch of players who just didn't look like they want to be there anymore. Pochettino was doing a decent enough job with what he got, but the team were in a bit of a crisis. They decided to get rid of him. I would have personally stuck with him because I think he'd earned that. As with what he'd done for Tottenham, uh, maybe earned the benefit of the doubt to get a little more time. Mm. Brought Mourinho, and he's not for me the guy who's going to invest in the youth that Tottenham have got and bring that forward. His reputation certainly doesn't suggest that, mm. and it just didn't feel like the right fit. Not exactly long term, is he, Mourinho, when it comes to teams? And I don't know if maybe that is what we're still trying to figure out over at Tottenham. Still, though, love seeing him celebrate sixth place on the final day of the season. Of course, well, he's an animated man. You've got to enjoy that, haven't you? Um, let's talk about that signing then. And Don Belay, um, you said to me before we started recording, this makes Joe Linton look like a, a bargain. Listen, I will. Anybody who says Joe Linton was bad business, I believe, uh, and Don Belay was 52 million, he was, such as 12 million pounds more than Joe Linton. Just to look at the facts here, Joe Linton got two goals and two assists, and then got two goals and two assists. So, really. <laughs> We're £12 million up, if that's how you want to put it. I realise, of course, Dembele is a midfielder. Wasn't saying to be the new Alan Shearer of, uh, or the new Harry Kane, should I say, of Tottenham. But ultimately, when we saw this guy turn up in the Premier League, we were expecting big things. He'd come from Leon, he'd been a top, top player for them. Turns up and, as I recall, scored a goal in a game that you and I watched all the way back at the very, very beginning of... This season it is, this, this season. Feels like a lifetime ago. It would, it would have been August, so it would yeah. have been round about your birthday time. And we were sat in the house with your mum and your dad who was still there, and Anna Louise was there. And Dembele scored this cracking goal against yeah. Wolverhampton Wolves at the start of the season. I think Tottenham, I want to say off the top of my head, you can shout at me in the comments, won 2-1 in the end. I'm sure Wolves were winning and Tottenham ended up winning the game 2-1. 
And it was like, this guy looked like a sensation. He played a great game. We were expecting big things. It just hasn't really worked out for him, has it? He hasn't really found a rhythm in that team and certainly hasn't put in the performances that we were maybe expecting from him. No, I mean, like the fact, like you say, I couldn't remember a single thing he'd done this season until he said said that there. Look, Tottenham have been unlucky with injuries. Um, but players have come through and, and, and you know, stamped their place in that squad. And, you know, Bergvine's come in and, and done performances just in Dombele's just... The fact that I I forgot he played for Tottenham, like I had to yeah. when we were getting ready for this, I was looking into, you know, worst signings of the season and I was like, Oh yeah, remember him? That is guy. he still is he still there? Yeah, apparently he is. Um we can't talk about worst signings of the season before we talk uh about Alex Iwobi. Oh man. I still oh. remember doing the, the live stream of our like uh, transfer deadline day and in and around that talking about Alex Iwobi going from Arsenal to Evans for for how much? Twenty-eight million, I think you'll find it was. With the potential, of course, for some add-ons there of thirty-four million, which you correctly said. So just the twenty-eight then. So, yeah, yeah. If he scores this many goals, yeah, he won't do that, don't worry. Yeah, that didn't quite happen the way maybe they wanted it to. Um yeah, this was weird at the time because I guess, you know, the transfer market was a bit it was a bit on its on its head, really, wasn't it? Like we've mm. seen some massive transfers, and therefore everybody else's price goes up. As we've seen, twenty eight million, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, might not seem like a lot, but for Alex Iwobi, who hadn't, in my opinion, really done that much at Arsenal, like it wasn't like that. This is the guy they're going to sign who's going to be a sensation. This is the kind of maybe like we'll take a punt on him. Perhaps he can come over and be a star over at Everton. Twenty eight million. He's played twenty five games and he scored. Just one goal for Everton. But, hey, £28 million a goal. Bargain. Absolute bargain. I just can't get over Carlo Ancelotti. Hello, Mr Ancelotti. <laughs> we have Alex Iwobi ready and waiting for you. Oh. Oh, this is like when on Mike Bassett's England manager where they're trying to get Pelé to say England when he's naming good team. <laughs> and they're like, Ancelotti, can you name any of your players? <laughs> just go through the whole team. Oh, yeah, we've got um, Kian, oh. we've got Gabbert Lewin. Well, this is the thing. They signed a bunch of younger players who could potentially have a massive upside if they can get some consistency. But they didn't sign them for masses amounts of money. But Alex Iwobi does fit into that category, in a category sorry, and I should say we shouldn't rule him out just yet. But still, you might be expecting a little bit more for that kind of money from him. And he did not get it. That's <laughs> there going. I mean, I suppose Pickford could score a goal, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if he had scored one and it was like the end of the season? Pickford had one. They should have had him up for a penalty just for that. Uh, speaking of goalkeepers, I have to mention, otherwise my dad, who's a West Ham, West Ham fan, will kill me. Roberto. Oh, oh. oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. Your dad must be very, very unhappy with this because, let's be honest, Roberto signed on a free. It, was a, it looked like a good bit of business. He'd been over in La Liga, he'd been doing all right over there and then the West Ham had signed him. Fabianski was kind of injured at the time so they're thinking, now's a chance, bring him in. Give him a chance to claim on that first team spot. And he stepped up to the plate and he played, kicked him in the balls and <laughs> left him on the floor in the sand. Unfortunately, did not work out the way it was. I've got some nice stats for you here because oh. uh, the, the homework for you. And he played just eight games for West Ham before they decided enough was enough and decided <laughs> to 
<laughs> opted for reserve goalkeeper Martin Dean David Martin. David Martin. Yeah, David I think, yeah Martin. I think you're right. Not, not Nigel, but definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely one of those Martins. Uh, he obviously stepped in. Pellegrini, who had been quite high on Roberto, decides, yeah, we'll go with Martin instead. He looks like a safer pair of hands. Poor Roberto ends up getting shipped out and in eight games conceded 18 goals, which, yes, we can't blame all of those just on him. I realise, obviously, it depends on your opposition and what your defence is like, but that doesn't read well at all, does it? And he's not going to get a chance to uh, to change that, I don't think, because he got loaned out to Alaves and, and you, or Deputive Alaves, and you wonder if maybe it could be made into a permanent or sent somewhere else. Yeah, you sense that Fabianski now may well be just number one goalkeeper for them for full time. He is a good goalkeeper, so yeah. that you know hasn't turned out terribly for West Ham, but still. Um, speaking of flops this season, I, I, I can't see you looking much further. They might be contenders uh, alongside VAR for flops of the season. <laughs> when you talk about Watford, I mean, yes, they got relegated, but I think that's almost secondary to the whole getting rid of a proven... You know, relegation battle manager with two, what is it, two games to go, Nigel? Please, like, I get it. They had their manager at the start of the season. Uh, they had a dip in form, so they brought an old manager back in, another little bump in results, and then it started going wrong again. If you get the opportunity to bring someone like Nigel Pearson in with his experience and his pedigree, you do that. It did seem to look like, well, you know, yes, they're in and around that, and even towards obviously the end of the season, it looked like they might need a result or two to go their way. But, you know, as long as they got Pearson at the helm, I always felt confident. And then getting rid of him to bring in, what, Eden Mullins as like a caretaker manager for, yeah, obviously two incredibly difficult games, Manchester City uh, and Arsenal on the final day. But I always felt if they'd have kept Pearson, final game of the season against Arsenal, who've got an FA Cup final to look forward to, they were always in with a shout. The moment they got rid of him, I thought, well, that's them done. And that did for them. Yeah, this felt like a strange decision at the time, didn't it? I mean, two games to play and we're seeing the headline that Nigel Pearson has been sacked. I guess thinking maybe it would be a Hail Mary and we could, you know, we can sit here and criticise it, um, which I'm going to, trust me. <laughs> um, but we, we could have been sitting here saying, what a stroke of genius that is. Um, they've managed to bring a manager in who's who's boosted them. They've randomly got two incredible results and they've stayed up. That is, that's what happens when you take this kind of high-risk uh, risk, yeah, high risk, risk, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it hasn't paid off, and now here we are to collect our debts from <laughs> all the people who maybe thought this was a good idea. I mean, a team who used to be great at this was Sunderland, who always used to just replace their manager right before they played Newcastle United, and they beat us, which was great. Happened for about three seasons, just what you want, and that's the kind of impact you want. Wasn't two games before the end of the season, though. That that was usually about halfway through. Nigel Pearson, as you say, is a man who knows how to get out of this predicament. And yes, it would probably have still been just as tough against Arsenal and West End um, Man City. But I'd want the guy who at least knows the team best mm. at that point. And, you know, no disrespect to Mullins because he's been brought in to do the job for the last two or whatever. But you think, surely Pearson was the way to go and just and just see what happens. It's a massive, massive gamble to take. It's such a crucial point in the season. And ultimately, it just hasn't paid off. And this is a Watford team who... You could argue if maybe like swap places with Southampton this year, where mm. you know Watford were doing pretty well last season, and then things haven't turned out their way. Southampton again have managed to change their fortunes. It can be that close, and dropping a manager the last two games of the season, man, that will it'll be unforgivable to people who really can't can't get past it. But it could have been something great, but 
It definitely wasn't. The fact that, yeah, Southampton didn't sack their manager when they shipped nine at home and yeah, Villa didn't, exactly. sack, didn't sack Dean Smith. I just thought, yeah, I thought it was inexplicable. For the sake of two games, let him, yeah. at, least try and, let him at least try and prove that he did everything he could. Um, talking about the relegated teams, I was going to ask you about whether they deserve to go down. Watford, as we kind of discussed there, did. Norwich, with 20-odd points, yes. you're yes. going to go down. Bournemouth are an interesting one. You're quickly, I know you were, you wanted to say something about Norwich before we get to Bournemouth, though. Yeah, Norwich are a sign for, like, any pundit who would want to say it. Like, Gary Neville has said this before in the past, where they criticise teams for going and defending against the bigger clubs or just in general against teams to try and nick a goal here and there and saying it's not good football to play. I do see that point, but I also see a Norwich team who played the gung-ho football way and got results. They beat Man City, and it was a wonderful moment because you thought... These guys have got so much confidence from coming up from the championship, they might be able to carry this on. Timo Pukki looking like an absolute world leader. Mm. That all did not last, though, unfortunately, because you can't play like that in the Premier League because other teams' defences are better than yours. And then ultimately, you have to beat them with attacks. And when you're coming up against some incredibly talented teams like they are in the Premier League, you're going to get punished. And they have been. So to any pundit who wants to consider that <laughs> phrasing of like, Oh, Newcastle are sitting there not playing very good football against this bigger club or whoever indeed it might be who's considered to be a smaller club in the Premier League. I'd like you to look at Norwich because that's what happens. It's hard out there to be a club who just gets to go out and play gung-ho football. The days of the entertainers like Newcastle United were back in the 90s may well be over because all the teams realise you actually have to defend. But yes, let's talk about the other teams for now. Yeah, let's talk about Bournemouth. A huge amount of controversy around them getting relegated. I mean... The table doesn't lie. Uh, they went down. They were a, a goal short and a and uh, well a point short of uh, of Aston Villa. But uh, you may not hear the end of this. I doubt they're going to you know get any sort of Sheffield United court case against West Ham sort of thing going. But they're not happy with Hawkeye for obvious reasons. No, and I, and rightly so to be fair because yes, it will look petty. I mean, uh, we've discussed this at length already, but it will look petty this if you if you. They're going to, like, chuck their toys out of their pram and they want a demand a recount. A demand you go and sort <laughs> this out with being relegated. But honestly, when the margins are this small, they've definitely got a case here. They've got a case and somewhere along the line, they need to probably feel very, very aggrieved because you go back to that Aston Villa and Sheffield United match. It ends nil-nil. Villa get away with a ghost goal, which definitely 100% was a goal, which means they lose the game. They would have lost that, that point that they had, which put some level on points. And because they would have conceded that goal, they would have been level on goal difference as well with Bournemouth. And if you really want to break it down, I assume this is how our league works, the same as others. It gets to head-to-head. And when it gets to head-to-head, Bournemouth beat, beat Aston Villa 2-1 both times this season in the Premier League. Bournemouth would undoubtedly be the ones, I think. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong in the comments below. That's how it would work. And they would go and we would have stayed up on head-to-head which would have been mad. I'm not sure we've ever seen anybody stay up on head-to-head before. It's usually points or goals. And I can totally understand why they're doing it. Because, yes, it's uh, it's not been the best season for Bournemouth. You probably would have said maybe Eddie Howe's side were the ones who might have had the quality to mm-hmm. climb out of that relegation battle. But this is big. And it's if, if VAR and Hawkeye indeed have been brought in to work together to get rid of all these problems, a team shouldn't be getting relegated off the back of something like that. And that shouldn't be that questionable doubt still, surely. 
Yeah, exactly. And that sort of links into the final thing we're going to talk about here, uh, which is VAR. Uh, when you talk about worst things in the season, you have to talk about VAR. Like uh, you and I both agree that it is uh, a vast improvement for the yeah. most part to the Premier League. And, 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 you know, something that we've been crying out for for years um, to see. And yet, like you say, it dominates the conversation at the end of the season. Um for the life of me, I don't know why VAR didn't get involved in that Aston Villa uh, Sheffield United incident. And maybe there's some argument around you need referees indication or you need, you know, you can't override the decision of another. Look, what the argument was is Hawkeye had its view obscured all nine cameras by players or pit uh, posts or whatever it may be. I don't reckon anyone turned it no. on. I think they forgot Same. to turn it on his first game back. But you you look at the replay. Everyone saw on the replays within five seconds that that ball's gone in. Yeah. VAR is there to to correct clear and obvious errors. The referee and the lino, you know, that's what it's there to help them out with. Um, and it's not just that. We're not just boiling it down to that that decision or that match. Yeah. The thing is, we want VAR. The 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 you ask and you look at the previous seasons about players ranting and raving about decisions that have gone against them. And, you know, what's that is an element of the beautiful game. Uh, I'd say that it's something we can do without. Uh, and yet now you've got handballs cancelling out perfectly good goals, handballs being given for penalties that, you know, you wouldn't have seen in a million years in previous seasons. And of course, offsides because someone's forgot to cut their toenails or their armpits offside. Yes, I think as many, many pundits have said and will continue to say until it gets changed, it's not necessarily VAR, it's the rules, isn't it? That's yeah. what we need to be looking at, the rules. Whatever you're going to feed the computers before the start of the season, is it needs to be changed because people wanted, people asked for this and they've got it. Only problem is it's the unexpected, ironic circumstances that you get from making these kinds of wishes. Like genuinely, everybody wants all offsides to be flagged but then when you realise suddenly how many of these offsides would be happening in a game, like, am I talking by, like, a molecule offside mm. times? Genuine, like, it's it's a lot. Obviously, it's a lot. So there needs to be a new sort of rule designed in terms of what that measurement is and what the margins are between being offside and being onside. And what's sensible, I think, is the other thing. Like, mm. common sense needs to prevail. That goal for Aston Villa and, um, and Sheffield United, I mean... Someone's got to say, let's just review that. And we've talked about it before. Surely a way to, to change that is to just each team gets X amount of challenges per mm, game. Yeah. And the players could say to the manager, challenge that. We know for a fact that's going to be will go in our favour if it gets reviewed. And that's it. Because I, I do understand the referees can't look at the, every single thing yeah, and pause yeah. the game every time someone has a problem. But there should be something along those lines, a fail-safe, just in case they don't get it right. Because incredibly... Sometimes technology just needs to have a mistake like this to then figure out the problems. And they're not going to have all the creases ironed out by before the start of the next season unless they're given the type, which I guess... Yeah, it's, it's the see. delays it brings to the game when you are, like you say, drawing such specific lines on the pitch. I love the idea of a, an appeal system. You've got it in... I do believe you've got it in American football. You've obviously got it in tennis. I'm a huge cricket fan and... <sighs> Yeah, that's a perfect example of it. We've seen it just recently in the England-West Indies thing mm. uh, of, you know, them saying, oh, well, if the West Indies had gone for a review of that, then that would have been given LBW or whatever. I think that's perfect. Then you can have a conversation about that rather than this technology being ridiculous. And if you don't do any of those things we've suggested, just let referees use the pitch side monitors because I'd rather be yeah. berating a referee than 
getting angry at Skynet or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think VAR has to go down as one of the worst things this season, despite the fact it has brought so much good into the Premier League. It's harsh, but it will be remembered. And I, I, I have to say it on record, I've said it before, I do think VAR is the way to go. I do think it should stay. But ultimately, when it should be deciding or certainly eradicating any questionable doubt, to see a team get relegated this year when the margins were that fine. And it was probably always going to happen, let's be honest, if you introduce a system that is all seeing, all knowing, it's harsh. And it will be remembered for that. And they have to address that and try and figure that one out. And I will cover us off by saying, yes, Villa fans, we know there was some ghost goal against Palace. I think that wasn't given for some controversy. Indeed. So, yes, I know all about that. It isn't just this one. <laughs> we're talking about. But yes, let us know your thoughts on some of the worst things in the Premier League this season in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and subscribe to What Culture Football, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. You can also let us know your thoughts on Twitter at What Culture FC, where you can follow both of us. Adam Nicholas, where can people get you? And get me at it's Adam Nicholas. And where can they get you? They can get me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all, as I said, at What Culture FC. But yes, the season may have finished, but don't worry, it's going to start again in about five weeks. So we're all good. <laughs> and we've got the FA Cup this weekend, which we'll be previewing in just a few days' time. But for now, this has been It's All Kicking Off. My thanks to Adam Nicholas. Thank you Ooh. for joining us. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.